Notice, let's turn, if you would, if you would, to um, John chapter 12. And I want to preach to you from my heart today in this special season of the year as we think of two weeks from now. I want to preach a message that I'm going to entitle The Drawing Power of the Cross. Verse 23 of John chapter 12, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And then verse 27, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. And then we're going to skip down a little bit more. Let's read a little bit more. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Can you say amen? And I... If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Death on a cross. But I don't want to preach today death on a cross, although... I'm going to be preaching about the cross. I want to preach about the drawing power of the cross. Praise God. Could you lay your Bibles aside and could we just pray together right now and ask God for a mighty move of his spirit and the anointing of his spirit in the word today? Could we do that right now? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it right now, for your mighty spirit, for the hand of God. We ask, Lord, allow us to be sensitive once again to the power of the spirit in our midst. Convince each of us today of your power and your truth and your kingdom. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Anoint this frail vessel, we ask, and give you praise in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's clap our hands one more time before we're seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. The drawing power of the cross. Praise God. And you, you may be seated. Thank you for being so kind. Now, this, <clears throat> this is a very interesting chapter. Of course, all of John is interesting. Of course, in chapter 12 is prelude to uh, the Lord's uh, crucifixion. And there are many things that he had to say. And we read bits and pieces of it all the way through. We skipped some very important aspects in which, of course, he was uh, explaining to them that they needed to prepare themselves because there would come a time when you could not get ready. You need to get ready because night is coming and so forth. So everything in this conversation 
reminds us that it hinged upon the hour or that moment, Jesus says, and every soul and every need of the human heart was to be impacted by the death, the death of the Son of God. Every human being, I don't care who they are or where they are, they are impacted by the death of Jesus Christ. It would literally change the world and it would change us forever. The power of the cross. But that is not all. I'm not just talking about the power of his death because his death, the, the death of the cross is, is its own message, a powerful message. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to us this Easter season about the power of the cross to draw all men unto him. Praise God. I want to talk to your soul for a few minutes. I want you to look at yourself. I want you to talk. I want to address your heart today and your soul. It would literally change the world. But that is not all that the cross would do. Something more is revealed in these words of Jesus before he made the, the journey down the Via Dolorosa. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth. And can you say, praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. If I be lifted up from the earth, signifying, he says later, the, the way that they would crucify him on a tree and so forth. But if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Now, this first Sunday of April, as Georgia weather is, uh, once again, being very interesting. You don't know if it's going to be hot, 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 and so on, but, but we've had a lot of variation in weather. So that's a good indicator. Uh, did anybody see any snowflakes this year? I never saw a snowflake. Not in Georgia. I saw it several other places. The other day I was preaching up north of ways, and, and I almost didn't catch my flight because there was snow everywhere. And I tried to make a snowball, but... It wasn't that deep. And uh, so we've been having interesting weather, cold and hot. And, and uh, we're now April the 2nd. And as we are preparing ourselves, is anybody feeling like God is doing something in the church in this hour? Anybody feel the leading of the Holy Ghost? You know, it is a very powerful force of the Spirit that is drawing people into the house of God. I am, I am absolutely certain of it. Now, they're not all sitting. I don't mean everybody that the Lord's drawing is sitting in here today because many, many people are being drawn by the Holy Ghost and God is dealing with them. They don't even know what's going on. Did you know that God begins to convict people long before they know it's conviction? Did you know the Spirit of God is working on people right now that are absolutely hopeless by the standards of men? But with God, all things are possible. So this first Sunday in April, I do not plan to reach and to rush past the cross to the empty tomb. I'm not here to preach an Easter sermon. 
I'm not speaking today of a tomb that's empty and all of its power. We're going to celebrate that and we're going to shout and we're going to praise God because we know that Jesus was dead, but he's alive forevermore. Hallelujah. If you can't preach that, as exciting as that is, to have a Savior that was crucified and yet he's living, wow. But I'm not rushing past the cross to show you the tomb that could be done and it's marvelous to behold. But there's plenty of time for the celebration soon enough. This is for Sunday of April. And we had a, wasn't it a bit cool last night? Kind of got cool. This is April in Georgia, folks. This is like the end of the world. But there's plenty of time for all the other. But the simple truth remains. His death unleashed upon hell upon history the greatest drawing power ever known to man every drop of blood every blow of the hammer every nail print in his flesh and every thorn in his brow slammed the devil up against the walls of eternity, put him in his place and pushed past every human failure. It did something that day that altered the course of history. Every failure, every sin, Every documented unworthiness of humanity. I'm a failure. I could never do it. I could never make it. It took the devil and pushed him back. And said you're a liar. You have no right to touch my grandchild. You have no right to touch my life. It began a course of history. That changed the course of the future for every man, woman, boy and girl. And it began to move upon the human heart with a powerful magnetism. I almost didn't use the word, but I've chosen to go ahead. A powerful magnetism, a drawing like the world had never known before. Now, Satan thinks that his music and his drugs and his ungodliness is the most powerful drawing force, especially when you put it on television and on a big screen and on a computer, then suddenly it becomes, oh man, nobody can resist that. But I come today to tell you that at the cross of Jesus Christ, there was a powerful force unleashed. He said, I will draw all men unto me. Could we just clap our hands one more time? Could we just give him some praise? Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're letting you know, devil, you're a liar. And it was proven there. Now, let me go back. Let me, let me digress, I guess we could say. Jesus performed the most outstanding miracles in the history of man. Now, there are people that deny he performed the miracles recorded in the Bible, of course. They deny just about everything. About everything. That's their prerogative. It's called a free country. And yet these miracles have been attested to over and over. There are over 6,000 manuscripts of the, of the New Testament alone. It is the most attested document of any ancient, in fact, ancient books began with Christians. They used to have, you know, they'd roll it up. And if you wanted to get to Isaiah 55, whoa, you got to roll that out. Get it way over there. Keep it going. And you finally get to take all day to get to your scripture. Just imagine. Now they had, I'm not, I'm not saying that. They put them on poles and they'd roll them. They, had, they could do it pretty quick if they, they didn't roll them out on the floor. That'd be foolish. But I'm just saying that to make a point. You couldn't get to a text. But the Christians were using their Bibles and they, they realized right away that all these books of the Bible needed to be put together. They invented the book. They put these pages together and then they begin to mark them in ways because I want to tell you something, my friend. God is more powerful. His word is more powerful than any force in all of this world. Praise God. Hallelujah. So over and over and over again, because I'm, I'm not here to uh, d defend the miracles of Jesus. I'm simply telling you that uh, we know fairly well, and of course you believe scripture, it's obvious as can be, that there is no human individual that ever performed anything like, just like I'm hoping he'll touch my voice right now. And let me preach this, because I'm going to preach it with or without the voice. Lord, I, I, I'm just praying. Blind eyes. Think of all the varied miracles that Jesus performed, leprosy and so on. I mean, I, I'm not here to look into his long History of miraculous intervention. Dead people raised of all types and so on. Little girls, little boys, men, women. That's all kinds of folks. And that's just the ones that are recorded in scripture. So he performed the most outstanding miracles in all of history. And he spoke words of love and compassion that have literally uh, shaped nations so his words were powerful, and his love and his loving nature is so exemplary. There's been no other man like him. In fact, we could say that there has been no life lived like Jesus. Or I like to often say, there's nobody like Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's recorded in the pages of the Bible. So please do not miss what I'm trying to say. Some of you are paying attention to these little roads I'm walking down, but I'm, I'm trying to make a point. He 
did miracles that were completely outstanding, beyond anything. I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find anywhere in the history of mankind where such, of any kind of miracle, but to have miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And words that were so phenomenal that we even have a Bible where they, they put his words in red because they are so powerful. They have made such a difference in people's lives. Yet nowhere are we told. He never says, when my words are seen or when my life is remembered, that that will draw people. He never says that. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I defy you, devil, to try to stop it. His blood was red and his life gave life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Never says his life would draw men. Now I know some of you are thinking and I don't want to get into a, a debate here but I just want to be clear. I want you to think what I'm saying and so forth. That's fine. We know that he was the, John 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Oh, we know he was the light and the life. This very gospel proclaims it, and it was critical and important. I just described it in varied ways that his life was powerful. And I do not mean to suggest <laughs> that his life and his words do not draw and talk to people in certain ways. That's why they're in the Bible. I am simply making a point from Scripture and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that Jesus intended for us in Jonesboro, USA. We could put Georgia there because it's a bunch of Jonesboro's. That he intended to tell us that there was going to be something that had never occurred, not even in his own words, not even in his own life as powerful. Does anybody here believe that Jesus was God in human form? Does anybody believe that? I believe it. Hallelujah. And so I do. I, with all my heart, I believe it. I believe that Jesus was the perfect lamb of God. And I am not for one moment distracting from it. I am doing everything I can under the drawing of the Holy Spirit to tell this body today, this group gathered here in the pre-Easter days, that there was something that was released in the human race, something that happened at Calvary that could not have happened. And I want to tell the devil, I want the devil to listen to me. I want him to listen to me. You thought you were going to stop the will of God. 
by driving nails in his hands and a spear in his side and you thought you were going to stop the plan of God but actually devil you played into the very purpose of God because in his death it sparked the most powerful come on let's praise him a little bit more come on come on come on praise God it took the cross it took the cross you say we could have just come and lived no 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 that wasn't the plan at all that it would just come and live and be an example. Let me let me say this. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I, I'm going to preach this. Okay. I, I talk to theologians all over the world. Universities here and yon. Good people. I like them. They're smart. They know tons of languages. And they're, they're just brilliant people. And they'll say, well, all that really matters is what you know. And I said, that can't be the answer. <laughs> It can't be just because people know about what Jesus said. It's wonderful that they want to know what he said. And then there's a, the quest for the historical Jesus. I predict, okay, if it's not already on the front of, of either Time or what are the, are there any magazines left? Like, uh, I think Time is still out there. Newsweek. Newsweek always carries one that says Jesus was a fake or whatever. Every year, if it's not Newsweek, then one of the others. And they will say, probably he never came out of the tomb. He prob and they'll go into all of this. Because in their mind, all that really mattered was he had good words and he said nice things. And as long as I just go to church and I, and I just know the right things. Friend, I want to tell you something. All the knowing in the world will not save you. It will not save you. Now, some of you are not going to be able to receive it, but I'm talking to someone today because there was something triggered that day. Yes, it happened at the very moment. In fact, Jesus himself reminded us of it when he said, It is finished. It is finished. I'm telling you, there was a power that was released at Calvary that never has stopped to this day. So someone says, now I, I, I told you I'm preaching with or without a voice, so here we go. Some of you say, well, that's just that tall preacher running around up there. Some of you say that. And he gets excited and he gets carried away, loses his voice about half the time. And that's why we're feeling, because they got a little crescendo and they'll go, hallelujah. And they sing songs with emotion. And so he thought I was worth it. And you think that's what does it. Now, their vehicles, I'll admit it all day long, I'd much rather hear a good song than a bad one. 
And a beautiful song than one that I need to pick up in a bucket. Sure, I'm, I'm all for it. The, 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 you know, get the best, do your best. Lord, what I'm trying to tell these people is it's not our talent. It's not our song. It's not our abilities. It's not our emotion. No, sir. Some of you, now when you go and you wonder about it, I want you to think about it. It's not the fact that that preacher was up there all emotional and he got loud and he waved his hand and he jumped like a wild, uh, well, we'll just leave that to your imagination. I've been told so many, I don't have to even think about it. I know many of the thoughts of folks. I was preaching one time and wasn't here long before I got to Atlanta. And they came up and they said, Reverend, you're the wildest thing I've ever seen. You are wild. And I said, and I, I didn't offend me at all, but I, I thought that was odd. Now, what he meant was, or what you mean is, no, I'm just kidding. What he meant was that I was the most emotional person he'd ever heard preach. And I said, oh, my goodness. You need to come around more. Because I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, if you really want to see something, come to General Conference when we got about 20,000 people or Ethiopia when a million people are gathered and dead people are coming up and they bring them in. They're about to bury them and they say, pray for Uncle So. And, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes into that place. I was there one year when they had a special place where people could bring folks that couldn't walk and their legs were bent like this and their arms were bent back. And when the Holy Ghost would begin to move, all of a sudden, their arms would reach out their legs would draw strength and they would begin to run and shout and give God the praise. Well, I knew they weren't used to any of it. They were brand new to Pentecost. So they weren't used to the style. I said, well, there's some Pentecostal preachers that don't even do that. They were real quiet. And they said, well, you're not, uh, you're not one of them, I can tell you. But I said, here's what you need to know. It has nothing to do with the style of the music or the preacher. What you have felt was the drawing power of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what you felt. And I said, be honest with me right now. I'm not running. I'm not jumping. I've got a hanky, and I've wiped uh, my face, and, and, um, and uh, here I am. You tell me right now something is happening in your soul. You are feeling it right now. Now, you don't know what to make of it. And you think it's because everybody's all stirred up up here. But I tell you, you've gone in the wrong door. That isn't a matter of why is the preacher excited. The question is, how did all of this begin to happen? 
what you're asking. I may have studied. I may have a degree in ancient language. I may teach Hebrew. I may teach Greek. I may teach Latin. I may know this and this. And that may be my human self. But one night at an altar, or before I even got to the altar, the Holy Ghost began to speak to my heart. Family unsaved, a dad who was as far as far could get from God, family that knew nothing about God, but all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord began to draw me into His presence. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody, somebody praise him right now. Come on. Let's just praise him a few more minutes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. I was invited some time ago, back, back a long time back, and they were wanting, they knew that I had a church in Chicago, and they said, we need you to come to the university, and we need you to explain why you speak in tongues. And you have a, they knew I had whatever degree. I went to the university right there. And I had a degree in Greek right from that university where I was teaching. The church wasn't very far. And so they said, we need you to come, Reverend. We need you to explain it. We've got a group of people that want to know. It was a very mixed group of people. They want to know why you speak in tongues. It just so happened that... Uh, we had been battling cancer with our middle son, and we had been through a long ordeal with, with uh, all that happened there. I'm not gonna, if I get into that, I won't be able to talk at all. And uh, it looked like we were going to lose him. They put him on the, the, the chemo, the regimen there in Chicago Children's. And, uh, and just after this, they, they said, come to the university Explain. They knew I taught language. I was an ancient language major. Blah, 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 blah. And they wanted to know, why do you speak in tongues? And I want to tell you, I walked into the university that day, and we had just been through a miraculous healing of our middle boy who had been on chemo and all that we had been through, the miracle that took place, it so energized me. I mean to tell you, I was so, I had been so discouraged that he was so ill. I mean, just the chemo was enough to make him ill. But I mean, he, the, the cancer, the ravaging, and the, the concern, and Lord, help us. And then how God came in and all, one day, does anybody feel the Holy Ghost here right now? One day, the Lord decided, I'm going to miraculously touch his body right now. Boom. Laying out of hands. I walked into that, that room that day, and I said, all of you think I'm insane. I've got a whatever degree. I, I have a degree in ancient language, and you've invited me here, and, and, uh, and you think I'm cuckoo because I talk in tongues. I said, but I want to tell you why I believe in the impossible. Because just a few days ago, I began to tell about how our son had been in the hospital and how all of a sudden, in the midst of months and months, but I'm, I'm just glazing over it, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just reached out. I said, you see, that's the God that I'm serving. 
I, I don't know about you, but I believe God is able to do the miraculous. And I begin to talk like that. And, I, and so, and I said, so we need to get down here to talking in tongues because you asked me to come and explain why I talk in tongues. I said, you know, because I, I'm assuming you think that would be hard for God. No, I can speak Hebrew and Latin and Greek and a few languages. And that's easy for me, but the God probably couldn't do that because, you know, he's, you know, God. I said, but I, I want to tell you why I believe that if God were to choose to speak to us through other tongues, if he were to choose to do it, like I'm speaking here today, I'm not speaking Russian, I'm not speaking French, I'm, I'm French, but I'm not speaking French, and I'm speaking English, and I'm communicating in English. But what if God were to say, I'm going to do something so supernatural. It was released at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus cried out on the cross. Are you ready? I'm not going to preach a lot longer. Somebody bow your heads with me just for a minute. Father, I pray the Holy Ghost will show us today the power of your presence in this place. And let your will be done in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Jesus said from the cross, now listen to me, I'm not trying to be emotional, I just am, I'm not trying to be clever, I'm not trying to do anything extraordinary, I'm trying to show you, demonstrate to you that something was unleashed at Calvary, that no demon, no hell, no force of evil has ever been able to stop and it is the drawing power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You look it up, I'm not going to spend time here. But So Jesus cried out a language, and there's a lot of debate about it, but uh, I'm not going to get into the debate. I just want you to know that when he spoke these words, uh, There's some question. What, what, see, I know Aramaic. I know enough Aramaic and Hebrew to know there's a debate about what these words are. And so when Jesus spoke, we have the words in, in, the, in the actual text. Eli, Eli. Now here's a man on the cross. And, of course, Mark translates it for us. We know exactly what they mean, but he didn't translate it because it was necessarily Aramaic, because those are not Aramaic words. And you can debate all day long. It must have come from it, so on and on and on. But he cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. He cried out in the Holy Ghost. And the writer says, which is to be interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken See, this is exactly what I do not intend to do is to be wrapped up only in the emotion of the cross because I cannot stand at the foot of this cross and not be moved by the events. I'm not here to be drawn into the moments there. I'm only here to tell you that every demon that ever lived, that ever thought they had a place in this universe, they were set at the very at their teeth in the presence of God. They were halted in their tracks when the cross, first it was the thud, and then it was all of the voices of the cross. 
There is Mary. Mary, there's your son. John, there's your mother. They heard all of these. You know, the devil's always around listening. He's always out there paying attention. Sometimes the devil's paying more attention than the saints are. I'll tell you what they wanted to know. When's it going to happen? He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw. And all of a sudden, one of those demons heard that Roman soldier say, as the sky goes dark, surely this must have been the sun. It was already happening. And hell was trying to regroup. What are we going to do? And I want to say to this crowd today, I'm talking to you today. The presence of God is in this place because there's a Calvary. And because his blood reaches as far as it has to go. And it is here drawing me and you. You say, no, it's that microphone. It's that, it's that choir. No, no, my friend, I'm, I'm here to tell you the spirit is moving all through this place. But it is the power of the death of the Son of God that unleashed upon this world the magnetism that you never can nor ever will escape. Your soul is drawn to him. And every time you enter into a place where God is moving, he tugs on your heart's door. For a moment, and I conclude, I want to read from Paul's famous words in 1 Corinthians. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You can run forever, but you will never escape the tug on your heart. What I feel in the Holy Ghost today is that you would, instead of running, instead of resisting, instead of making every excuse, to respond to him. To, as it were, open your heart and say, Lord, what is it that I need to do? And when you do, you're going to find the riches of heaven at your door. Could we stand all across the building today? Could we just bow our heads?